Thank you all so much for being here with me today. I'm really, really grateful. I want to start with um, a land and ancestor acknowledgement. So I'd like to acknowledge that we are on stolen land that belongs to the Dakota and Anishinaabe people. It, the, we're on the same land, by the way, in Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota. <laughs> I invite all non-Indigenous participants to consider what we might do to support the original people of this country in the here and now. I acknowledge that we live in a country that continues the legacy of oppression of black and brown people. And I would say uh, non-heteronormative people, a non-heteronormative, non-cis uh, people. And to consider what we might do to transform the karma of racism, particularly racism. We are grateful and recognize the great effort of our Indian Chinese and Japanese ancestors who first brought this Zen practice to this country. I'm actually amazed that after the imprisonment of Japanese Buddhist priests and their families in World War II in the internment camps, that they still have had such great generosity to share the teachings of Soto Zen Buddhism with us. May we continue to acknowledge this history as we come together in the present to make amends, growing in wisdom and compassion. So I've asked Yoshin uh, to, um, to put on the screen the verse of formless atonement. I wanna start with that together, chanting if we can. I can't really see myself, but I look all right. <laughs> all right, so I'd be better if I didn't see that. So at the beginning of the morning service, we do this chant together. What I wanna do is I'm gonna say it once, and then what I'd like to do is for us to um, chant it together three times. I'll lead that, and hopefully there won't be too much of a lag. But it goes like this. All my ancient twisted karma, from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born of my body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. So we'll do it together three times. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born of my body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born of my body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born of my body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow.
In Shahaku Okumura's book, Living by Vow, his translation goes like this. All karma ever created by me of old, which has no beginning born of my body, speech, and thought, I now make full repentance of. I feel like the land acknowledgement and the acknowledgement of racism, homophobia, transphobia are ways that we collectively begin to make amends for wrongs done and to start to create a world in which all beings may live in harmony with one another. I'm grateful to be a part of a community that makes space for these acknowledgements. The work is never done. I just keep pointing myself in the direction, just like the Bodhisattva vows. Beings are numberless, I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. The Buddha way is unsurpassable, I vow to realize it. I'm going to see if I can somehow make everybody more visible at the same time. So just bear with me while I kind of adjust my screen so I can see you, you guys, y'all, and my talk at the same time. So June is Pride Month. I sort of want to say Happy Pride Month, but it doesn't feel like so happy to me right now. It feels pretty scary. It feels like a scary time to be a trans person like myself. You all probably know the history of pride and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a, um, uh, I need more education. <laughs> um, even though I came out as queer in 1982, um, I didn't come out as trans until about six years ago. <sighs> so it's a scary time to be alive. There are kinds of legislations coming through. You know that the first Pride happened on June 28th in 1970. It was the one year anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising or Riot. It was led by Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. The first Pride marches were held in New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. I went to my first parade in the summer of 1982 in Dallas, Texas. I'll be forever grateful to those that have come before me and let me know that it was okay for me to be me and not to have to continue to hide. I hope that maybe I can help someone else and I can say to you, if you're out there anywhere, or if you know kids or your grandkids, like you deserve to be alive. Your precious sweet life deserves to be in the world. So it's been a wonderful gift for me to be at Clouds, to find refuge here in this community. I thank you for continuing to welcome me. So I want to share this poem by Kategori Roshi. Kategori Roshi, as many of you know, was the founder of our Zen Center, the founder of MZMC of Hokkyochi Zen Practice Community and the honorary founder of Ryomonji Zen Monastery. 
So I found this poem when I was looking in the book Living by Val by Shohaku Okamura. And I was looking up another footnote. And I was like, and it was like, I thought it said 12, but it said 30 anyway. So I, so I said, this is the poem. So anyway, I went right to the poem because I love poems. This is called A Peaceful Life. And the title of my talk is The Remarkable Gift of Sazen. Peaceful Life by Katagiri Roshi. Being told that's it's impossible. One believes in despair. Is that so? Being told that it is possible. One believes in excitement. That's right. But whichever is chosen, it doesn't fit neatly in one's heart. Being asked, what is unfitting? I don't know what it is, but my heart knows somehow. I feel an irresistible desire to know what a mystery human is. As to this mystery, clarifying, knowing how to live, knowing how to walk with people, demonstrating and teaching, this is the Buddha. From my human eyes, I feel it's really impossible to become a Buddha. But this I, regarding what the Buddha does, vows to practice, to aspire, to be resolute, and tells me, yes, I will. Just practice right here, now, and achieve continuity endlessly forever. This is living in vow. Herein is one's peaceful life. So this poem gives me hope. After training in this tradition for 10 years, and having had the good fortune to have received home leaving ordination from Sosan Flynn in 2016, <clears throat> I'd think <laughs> that I would feel more like I have a better understanding of what I'm doing. And I do sort of, but there is this aspect of practice that mostly I just have to keep showing up for. My life works better when I sit Zazen without trying to get anything. <laughs> it's curious that my life works better when I'm not trying to get it to work better. I just keep <laughs> showing up. I show up for session. I try to be of service in the community. And I feel like I get a little glimpse of truth of the life of the life that we live in session and feel like I'm able to be in the flow of things with greater ease. The container of silence that comes from session and that comes from my sitting practice allows me to deeply experience what's happening in my body and mind and what is happening in the place in the world where I am.
after session, I come out somehow refreshed and invigorated, sometimes kind of exhausted too. I'm so grateful for this remarkable gift of Zazen. So I came to Zazen from, I'm trying to think how many years. I started meditating in kind of a yoga tradition in um, the early 80s, right after I got sober. And um, and it, I'll say, I'll have a little caveat. It, it could have been my misunderstanding of the practice. And it could have been the practice, but whatever it was, I always felt like, the focus was me, me, me. I want to be realized. I want to be uh, uh, free. I want to be. I want to be like this person with superpowers, kind of. Ultimately, y'all have heard me tell me this. I've told this story before, but one time I had this really extraordinary experience meditating, where I felt like I was zooming around, you know, flying in the sky. I had this great understanding of the world. And um, I came out um, and I was, I, had, I was living with my husband by then and I came out of the room after I had this fabulous experience and uh, he passed me the hall and said something and I snapped at him and I thought, oh, <laughs> something's wrong with this practice. I need to do different. So the thing I like about Zazen and I like the thing I like about Soto Zen, I think I like about Mahayana Buddhism is the focus is on, I'm not gonna be, if you will, be realized until I've helped every other person. I love the story of Jizo Bodhisattva. At the, at the back, I can see, I can see it in my screen. Thank you for showing me everybody that's at, at the, in the Zendo. At the back of the, at the back of the, Zendo, there's Jizo Bodhisattva with his staff. And the story goes that Jizo Bodhisattva walks up to the gates of hell and stamps his staff. And the gates of hell open. And he walks inside hell and he goes there. And he frees all beings. That's a huge aspiration. It's a huge aspiration to say, beings are numberless. I vow to free them. I need to count. I think it's a huge aspiration to try to set, find freedom for myself. But somehow, if I make it not about me, it's something I can point myself towards. So that when I fall, when I mess up, like I do every day, when I say something still, like not uh, kind to the person I love more than anybody in the world, um, and just say, okay, I can start over again. I can start over again. I can resolve to be kind again and again and again. And just bring myself back to this vow. There's a friend of mine that 
I have a poem. I brought some extra stuff just in case I didn't write enough on my screen, which I didn't. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out this poem that a friend of mine wrote about practice and about getting beyond the doubt of practice. So this is by my friend Daigon Gaither. And uh, I met Daigon when I was in San Francisco last fall. He's a Soto Zen priest. And he was amazingly helpful to me. It's called What's Happening Now and What Is It to Practice With It? I have walked this road a thousand times, maybe more, yet nothing seems familiar here. No twists or turns that I recognize, scraps of things fallen away, ripped away or just forgotten. Scattered like leaves in the withered garden, dreams not realized. Old Buddha, having exhausted all other options, sits down saying, I will study this. The moonlight reaches here. The moonlight reaches even here, illuminating and welding me to just this spot. I realize I have never walked anywhere ever endlessly. So just to be present with what's happening right here, right now, is what it means to sit zazen, what it means to just sit in shikantaza. This practice of being present, I want to bring off my cushion into my life so that when that difficult person comes towards me, when that difficult situation comes towards me, I can pause and breathe and bring some level of equanimity to that interaction. I had, we were, so every morning, uh, Tom and I play cribbage. And uh, the other morning, I just feel like it's always this, it's sometimes I win, sometimes I lose, it's life. But usually there's some kind of interesting conversation happen. And so he said something and I reacted. I'm still angry. This is, oh, by the way, I'm giving a, I'm giving a workshop on working with anger. So I'm still working with anger. <laughs> it's the way it is. Um, but it's okay. You know, it's, that's what it is to be in the mud. That's what it is to be human. You know, how I have, at the same time, I have some degree, some moment, some tiny little understanding of reality, and I'm still dealing, I'm still me. I'm still, like, I still have the same foibles I've had. Maybe, I hope, fingers crossed, I'm hoping that maybe the edges are a little softer. I'm hoping that maybe when I walk around in the world, I'm a little kinder. I think I am. I feel like when I see people in the world, um, I respond with more generosity. At any rate, Tom said something and I like, <laughs> I said something back. And then we went on da, 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 and he's like, are you angry with me? And I'm like, well, actually, yes, I am because I don't like it when you do this, whatever it was. And then a little bit later, he said something and I said, you know, it's really annoying. I wish I could remember what it was exactly. This is off script, by the way, if you didn't notice. But I, I just, it was something where 
I, I just, I felt it. I felt the like, and like, and I just like, I just breathed and I let it pass. And I think that's really, if anything, that's what Zazen gives me. It gives me the ability to like feel some level of discomfort and not be reactive. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. All right, I'm going to go back on script there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I think, so I always have this thing when I'm going to go up, it's going to be, but I have this thing that happens every time that I speak and almost every time that I perform, I'm a singer, I'm a singer songwriter too. And like, you know, maybe just like when Buddha was, I like to think it was just like when Buddha was sitting under the Buddha tree and Mara says, who do you think you are that you should be doing this or trying to become enlightened? I still think, who am I to think that I can give you any kind of clarity about this? Because I think it's difficult. It's not a kind of a thing where, for me, clarity and understanding about the way or the practice <laughs> rarely comes from talking about it and rarely comes from like listening to somebody talk about it. It usually comes from sitting and being present and, um, and someone being kind to me. Anyway, and I, I did love being Tenzo for that way because I felt like, well, this is something tangible I can do that it can help other people. All right. So this is what I say to myself when I doubt if I'm doing any good things. Anybody that was here uh, when I did Shuso know that I have a great affection for the Bendoa. And uh, this quote I got comes from, um, so the Bendoa, here, let me give you a little, it's, it's a fascicle, or it's actually not exactly fascicle, it's usually in the front of the Shobogenzo, of some translation. Um, and the uh, Bendoa was a writing by Ehe Dogen. Ehe uh, Dogen was the founder of Soto Zen Buddhism, which we practice here at Clouds. He lived in the 1200s. So this, this variation of the Bendoa uh, was translated in the book. I got it from the book Moon in a Dewdrop. And it was edited by Kaz Tanahashi. Bendoa means, by the way, on the endeavor of the way. So this is one of my favorite excerpts. It goes like this. This is just in case you're feeling like maybe what you're doing isn't quite enough. I say this to myself, I say it to you. The Zazen of even one person at one moment imperceptibly accords with all things and fully resonates through all time. Thus in the past, future and present of the limitless universe, this Zazen carries on the Buddha's teaching endlessly. Each moment of Zazen is equally wholeness of practice, equally wholeness of realization. There's no separation between practice and realization. A little further down in the passage, it continues. Know that even if all the Buddhas in the 10 directions, this makes me cry. As innumerable as the sands of the Ganges. Exert their strength. And with the Buddha's wisdom, try to measure the merit of one person's zazen. They will not be able to fully comprehend it. So this is the remarkable gift of Zazen that we have that's been handed down 
generation after generation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank all of you for your practice. Thank you for the way that you show up for your daily zazen, that you show up to services, that you show up to the marvelously silent container of session. I'm so grateful that I've been able to train in this way. The remarkable gift of zazen that we accomplish with our bodies and minds together as one. I keep coming back again and again to Zazen, and somehow my heart has become happier, and my path has become clearer. All right, I want to do one more excerpt, and I want to give a shout out to Kikon Howard. Uh, this comes from his transcript in the Blue Cliff Record case 42. It's the teaching of Kategori Roshi. I believe it's called the Kategori Project. I hope that's right. It's really cool. It's really cool. He's done just an amazing job of, um, of, getting, the, of getting the words of Kategori Roshi. So. If you read Zen texts, they sometimes say, going to where the light springs forth, immediately you have to speak up. A place where light springs forth is no space, no room where something is conceptualized. Because light springs forth constantly. So you have to always be going to where the light springs forth. It's constantly moving alive. And then that is, I always say, Nothing to say, nothing to comment on, but you have to go there and you have to immediately speak up. You have to say something. Even if you don't say anything, your body, your hands, your posture, speak up anyway. My dad used to say, well, he used to say when he was mad at me, you, what, you, I can't hear what you're saying. I can't hear what you're saying because who you are is speaking so loudly. So I so it could be that maybe you might be the only Buddhist to somebody meets. <laughs> you might be the only Zen practitioner somebody meets. You know, I want to be more compassionate and more loving because of this practice. So this Zazen brings me back home again and again to this place of deep connection, of deep connection inside myself, of deep connection with you, with all beings, with my vow to live in a way is worthy of being a human. I think that's enough. Thank you.
Well, Taizan, we have uh, 15 minutes if we want to take uh, that time for questions and comments. Are you open for that? Yeah, sure. We'll see how it goes. Great. If I get, if I get, yes, please, let's try it. I'll, let's, I'm going to do the chat, see if anything's in the chat. Oh, no, that's just the, <laughs> that's just the chat. All right. All right, give it, give, let's give it a go. Um, can you put me on, uh, well, maybe not. Since yeah. Just so I can see y'all better. Okay, thanks. Um, so, uh, Ty, it's uh, Raku, and I think this is the third talk I've heard from you, and it's the third talk on the glories of Zazen, <laughs> which I love, seriously. And so I just want um, to... I always you, think I'm always talking about living by vow, but, or like my bodhisattva vows, that's hysterical. I guess, I yeah. guess, I guess, you know what they say, yeah. like, a friend of mine is a Unitarian Universalist Fellowship, and or Unitarian Universalist uh, minister, and she says, "Really, you only get you only have three talks. <laughs> you just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I want to focus on the zazen part of your three talks. So, um, um, I find it. I really like that emphasis. I think zazen is central to practice, and I wonder. Um, a lot of us from time to time can get down in the mouth about our zazen." And I wonder if there's anything that um, comes to your mind when you are experiencing that, um, or when you, when someone comes to you and says, I'm just having a hard time getting on the cushion, staying on the cushion, figuring out what I'm doing on the cushion. That, that's. Yeah, so I, so I, that happens to me too. <laughs> um, so, so this is a, when I, I'm not sure when I made this commitment, but there was at some point, um, I don't know if it was, I don't know when it was, but I, I just, I made this decision that no matter what, uh, I'm going to sit every day, no matter what, even if it's just like for two minutes or five minutes. And sometimes I would go through the whole day and right before I went to sleep, I was like, oh man, I forgot to sit. And so what I would do is I would, um, I would just like right at my bed I would bow I would like bow to my bed I bow to the, and I would just sit down right there or sit sometimes I'd sit like right at the head of the bed you know and just you know do a little sit and cross legged and just sit for five minutes and uh until like some of the some of the like stopped you know some of the you know some of the, and sometimes it doesn't stop but um so that's so that's one thing that I um I, I started, that's one thing that kind of helped me with my practice. I mean, to start, start small. And um, mm -hmm. sometimes what I'll do too, is I'll also, um, I'll, I'll do this thing where I need, I'll, I'll make the, I'll make the goal way big. Like I'll, I'll be like, I need to do yoga for 45 minutes. And then I need to sit for 45 minutes. And then I need to chant for 45 minutes. And then I'm just like, I make the goal like so big, it's just impossible to carry out. And so, I just, uh, I tell myself, uh, just take little bites. Um, that seems to help. And, um, and then just the commitment to do it every day. It also does help. I'll just say that. Just do it. Just do a little bit every day if you can't do anything else. And even, I'll say, even if you can't do it, 
um, forgive yourself and try again. I, I, I think also, cause you know, I, I had um, really major surgery last fall and I couldn't sit. I couldn't sit for a several months. Like I couldn't sit upright. I couldn't sit. And, you know, doing lying down zazen is, it's not, it's kind of, it sucks. But I mean, if that's what you have. <laughs> so I remember I would like tune into clouds or I would tune in, I would lie down and it's really hard not to go to sleep. <laughs> so, I mean, so I, I would just say, do what you do. That's kind of a long answer, but do, do what you do, what you can do. And, uh, and forgive yourself when you, uh, when you fall short and just get up and do it again. Cause I think what happens is that when I make the, the target so small, like, you know, like I have to, like, I had the circle so little, um, that I can't hit it. I have to make the target bigger. I have to make it bigger. And so that I can hit it, you know, so. That's what <laughs> Thank you for your answer. Tyson, we have a, a, a chat question or comment. Yeah. Uh, gracias, dear speaker. I failed to take note of your name. I'll just say Tyson offered. Um, I hung on to every, um, single word of your talk as I do, uh, every Sunday. Uh, today I wish I had the moral strength to be who I am, just like you. Listening to you, however, is an added push and inspiration to do it. Thank you again for your genuineness. Thank you for, thank you for your comment. I don't just thank you for, thank you. May I? Yeah. Let me turn. Yeah, go ahead. Kazan, this is Wayne Arneson. Um, oh, hey, hi. You know, I During, <laughs> during your year of great transition in 1617 in so many ways. And so um, I'm, I'm glad to be here in the Sangha this morning on a, on a day when you're talking. Um, because we haven't seen each other for six years, uh, and because so much of your your talk, uh, you know, was very personal and uh, and goes into your own life story, I'm interested as you look back from the time of your ordination, in the course of your practice, um, are there any? Is there a watershed moment? Is there something that really stands out in in the last six years since we've seen each other? Uh, that was uh, uh, an important and powerful transition in your practice. You know what? I don't understand your question. Okay. And so you so mean I don't understand. Or, or in terms of intent. So let me see. Let me see if I can rephrase what I think you're asking me. So, by the way, y'all, um, Wayne was one of the transitional ministers at the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship, where I have been a member for like 25 years. And he was there. He was there with his wife. How long were y'all there? A couple of years. Just two years. Two years. Well, anyway, and he and he like he used to come sit with us. Anyway, so I'm just. It's really fun to see you. Anyway, hello. Okay, so um, I think what I asked, what you asked me was it, after. Since my ordination, do, did I feel like I had some big aha moments in my practice? Is that what you asked me? Close enough. Okay. Do 
there have been like too many to actually name. I think what I'll do is I'm going to choose to answer this in a very vulnerable way. Um, so I remember um, sitting in session and you know I was wrestling with whether to come out as trans or not and there was this deep experience of this I don't know what you call it thing coming up this kind of bubbled up into me this kind of I don't know what you would call it but it sounded like this please don't make me be a woman for one more second so um, and then I was like I think I even went and talked about it in Douglasson I was just like oh you know the mind it's so variable I just like oh that doesn't really count it doesn't you know I'm not really queer you know so um so that was a pretty big aha moment I think the other probably uh, significant yeah that was a pretty big that was a pretty big moment because it's pride month I'll tell you because I'm a trans guy, I'll tell you about that. But there have been so many other amazing, like, aha moments about the nature of compassion and the nature of being human and, like, what's important. You know, and if I'm hanging on to something that I'm angry about because I didn't get my way, you know, how, you know, just how I can, just, there's a, there's a way to let go. There's a way to let go and be in the flow of life. That's way more important than my little agenda. So anyway, it's great to see you. Thanks for your question. Hey, do you want to hear my? I want to. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna. I'll read you one more poem. Since we're we have a little, I didn't. You know, I didn't uh, talk enough. Here we go. So this was. I wrote this poem uh, as part of a like poetry class I started. I'm going back to the poetry class. And they always talk about in uh, in uh, Buddhism in Soto Zen anyway. They talk about the great matter of life and death. You know. Life and death is a great matter. All things pass quickly away. Awaken, awaken, take heed, make use of this precious life. So this is called Life Leaving. Empty of life, grave darkness left. After having met the inevitable sickness, old age and death. If nothing dies, there is no room for new life. Clearing the world, clearing my life clearing my nose, clearing my eyes of that, which keeps me from seeing what I'm actually here to do. Clearing the wreckage of my past, clearing out the clutter of unnecessary crap that I keep accumulating with each new iteration of myself. Once a runner, I still have my marathon medallion. Once a biker, I have my orange road bike 
and the photograph of me holding it overhead victoriously after having ridden from the west coast of Vancouver Island to the east coast of Newfoundland. I did it! I did it! I rode the whole way! I wonder if it will be like that when I reach the other shore. The Buddhist chant says, Gate, gate, para gate, para sam gate, bodhisattva. Gone, gone, entirely gone. Reach the other shore. Hooray! There, there will be no one to take my picture. Death does not look like or feel like a victory to me. But then there must be some similarity. I did it. I did it. I rolled the whole way. I never gave up. Still, I imagine life leaving and death coming in like a lover, swooping me in their arms and whispering in my ear. You did so great. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. I can hardly wait to show you.